What's going on, Restoration family? Happy New Year. This is Nate Huss, one of the team members here at Restoration Church. If this is your first time, welcome. We are so glad that you could join us. And uh, this week, Ron Merrill is going to dive into discipleship. What does it look like? What does it mean for us to truly be disciples of Jesus? So let's dive in. It's a new year, and it's, it's with a whole lot of love that I, I'm coming to you today as we have a little conversation today from the Word of God. I think for whatever reason, with the start of a brand new year, um, it, it leaves us with an opportunity maybe just to process some stuff freshly. Um, it seems like we've got a fresh start or a clean slate I'm not really sure why, because it just went from one day to another, and it's kind of a weird sort of calendar thing. But I think more regularly than we take the opportunity, we should take opportunities to evaluate, to process, uh, to think through where we're at, what the Lord's calling us to, look back on what he's done, check out what he's got for us around the corner. And so we'll take that opportunity today. There's an issue about discipleship and what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus that's been on my heart for a couple of years now. And I would love just to have a conversation around his word today with regard to that. Because even when I use the word disciple, if you think about yourself in terms of being a disciple of Jesus Christ, for some of you it's real natural, others of you just even the the sound of that word, you're familiar with it, but to consider yourself a disciple of Jesus is kind of an odd sort of designation. You you may consider yourself a Christian, but in our culture today, what's that even mean? It can mean any number of things. And if you polled people inside the church, you'd get a wide variety of answers of what does it mean to be a Christian. If you polled people outside the church, you'd get an equally, probably even broader scope. Some things, uh, characteristics, qualities, defining terms about Christian uh, that are valid. Um, Maybe they're good. Maybe we'd get some defining terms when we use the word Christian that aren't so good. Um, because today it can be used as uh, you know what we're against or just being judgmental or attached to a political thing or whatever. But when I force myself to come back to the word, and especially with part of my identity being a disciple of Jesus, it changes things for me. And even for you, I would love for you today and maybe through the course of this year, to process yourself as a disciple of Jesus first and foremost. Maybe some of you are here and and you wouldn't even consider yourself a Christian, a follower of Jesus, or a, a disciple of Christ. And maybe this year, maybe I just invite you to this. Maybe begin to actually seek and process why you aren't a disciple of Jesus. Why you aren't a Christian. And be ready to ask tough questions and get into good conversations and be open and honest about it. Others of you that are already a Christian, already a follower of Jesus, maybe you begin to process, does it seem different to me when I consider myself, I'm a disciple of Jesus, the Christ, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Is just the designation. Does it change the way that I consider 
my relationship with the Lord and what he's got for me and, and who he is and who I am in him. When I say that, what do you start to think of? A, a disciple, there's a whole bunch of people who have had disciples throughout the ages. Uh, when we look at the Gospels in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and the book of Acts in particular, that's where we get most of our information on what disciple and discipleship looks like. And so it's important for us to, to go there. When you start to do the work, we find out that being a Christian or a little Christ, uh, a follower of Jesus, a disciple, it's more than just being a student, right? It's more than just being a learner. It's, it's more than even, uh, in the simplest terms, being a follower. A disciple carries more to it than those phrases carry with them. And so a disciple of Jesus is probably more accustomed to like an apprentice. Uh, when you think about different um, work industries that are out there that, that have apprentices or apprenticeships as a part of their uh, training program to become whatever that profession has, you can look and learn a lot about, wow, gosh, look at what they do to train up. Sports industries. I've got a buddy that's done some in the professional soccer industry and currently right now works with youngsters who are, are wanting to go into the soccer world. He's more than a coach. They are signing up and oftentimes multiple times a week investing money and time to be trained one-on-one -on -one in an apprenticeship for soccer. Now, I think that's fantastic, but how much more so when it comes to followers of Jesus, that if I'm an apprentice of his, I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ, am I spending that much time with him? Am I coming alongside someone else to help raise them up in the same manner that someone might put into the effort for basketball or another person might put in the effort for a particular profession. You know who is really good at discipleship? Jedis. In Star Wars, you have this amazing example of discipleship. I mean, they would look for the younglings that the force had connected with in some capacity, that they were uh, recognizing, wow, there is some potential here, there's something here, and then they would assign you a person, a Jedi master, that you would learn under, and you would do life with, and you'd learn what it would take to become a Jedi knight. And they didn't just sit in class. They went out there and put it into practice and learned as they were going. In our day and age, plumbers do this. Plumbers uh, have apprentices. Our drummer, Mike, is a plumber. And he has his own plumbing business, and so he knows what he's doing. But a tremendous portion of what he also has to offer is apprenticeships to people who want to learn plumbing. You think about all the things that plumbers have to know how to do. They have to know how to hold a wrench. 
I don't know. I don't know. Could you put tools in front of me? I couldn't even pick the wrench out, (laughs) much less know how to operate one in the proper places. They got to know what what to do if a if a pipe bursts. They've got to know the the functioning of the flushing system of a toilet. They've got to know how to lay new pipe and new water lines. They have to pass that info on because you don't get plumbing knowledge in high school. You don't get plumbing knowledge in college. And so how that particular expert trade is passed on is through relationship. Someone who wants to figure it out has to sit under the mastership of someone that knows what they're doing. And when it comes to being a follower of Jesus, we need to sit under the mastership of Jesus. We also, as brothers and sisters in Christ, need to be helping others younger in their journey figure out how to walk this walk. Model the life and teaching of of Jesus as well. Because isn't it important to in the plumbing language, isn't it important to learn how to wield the wrench of prayer? How do you learn how to pray? I mean, you can read God's word. Jesus has taught his disciples how to pray. You can learn from him, but you can also learn from someone else who's a real prayer warrior in the church. What happens if you're Faith pipe bursts. Is Jesus giving you any instruction or help? Is there another devoted follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus that can come alongside when your faith pipe bursts to help you patch it back up? How many of you could probably flush some stuff out of your life (laughs) spiritually or otherwise? even know how the flushing mechanism works to rid your life of some stuff. Jesus has a lot to say about it. There are some followers of Jesus that have had some junk in their life and they successfully learned how to flush it and could be a resource to you to help you rid yourself of some of the junk. What would it look like for 2022 for you to lay some new lines in your life that allow love to flow to the people around you better than ever before. Jesus has a lot to say about that. Our master does, our king does. So do some spiritually mature brothers and sisters in Christ that have previously put in the practice of laying those lines of love out and can help you in your journey. If you're taking notes, just real quick, defining terms for a second. When we talk about disciple, you know, we could kind of craft probably four or five good definitions of disciple or discipleship. Here's one um, that I would propose. Disciple is basically one who actively imitates both the teaching and the life of the master. And so when you process yourself as a disciple of Jesus Christ, could you, could you say, I'm actively imitating both the teaching, the word of God, the teaching of Jesus, and the life that he modeled for us in the Gospels? If so, then great. 
If you feel like there's some pockets there where you go, I don't know, or definitely not, well, then there's a good area to focus on for this year. Discipleship, then, is basically just the process whereby we prepare each other to be a part of his kingdom, both here and now. We, we've got his kingdom that's already come, amen, right? There's, you're a part of his kingdom. He's building his kingdom. But we also know he's going to return someday and establish an everlasting kingdom here on earth, that, the scope of which we can hardly comprehend, And so there's a part of of preparing each other for what it looks like to be a part of his kingdom right here and right now in 2022, as well as the kingdom that he has in store someday. And, And this process of being his disciples is so rich. I'd love for you to look for a moment at at Mark chapter three. Um, there's, there's, so many qualities and characteristics to being a disciple, but, but I want to give you two simple elements today to what it is to be a disciple. Two simple elements. I'm going to give them to you first, and then we'll, we'll see it right here in the scripture. Two simple elements, core, foundational elements to being a disciple. One, you be with Jesus. And two, you be sent out by Jesus. Now, there's all these other qualities and characteristics of a disciple, but at its core, a disciple of Jesus Christ will be with Jesus and be sent out by Jesus to do the work of Jesus. The both and is really key because we can be with, and if we think our Christian life or to be a disciple is just about the being with and there's no fruit There's no outlet. There's no manifestation. Your faith never makes its way to your hands or to your words or into action in the church or in the world. It's never sent out. We're missing out on a huge component of what the disciples of Jesus Christ actually do. Similarly, if we only consider being a Christian or a disciple as the sent out portion, the activity portion, the doing portion, the mission, mission portion, and we never spend time with our master, with Jesus. Man, that's a fast track for getting burned out, exhausted, doing stuff under your own strength and your own power. And so disciples of Jesus at the core are with Jesus and then sent out by Jesus. Now, in in Mark chapter 3, we'll take a look at this, verse 13. There's a moment here that we're going to look at where he calls his first disciples. And we get the 12 disciples listed here. Now, he's already had some followers. He's already called, actually, a couple of the 12. Then he's got these crowds, these multitudes that are wanting to check Jesus out. They're intrigued by Jesus. But what we find out here, listen, there's there's something distinguished between a disciple and the crowds who are mildly interested in Jesus. A, A disciple is distinctly different than 
People who, oh, I like the idea of Jesus, or maybe I can get something out of Jesus, or I just want to watch what Jesus is about. You get that, right? That there's all sorts of people, even today, that have some mild interest or want the benefits or whatever might come with Jesus, and yet aren't necessarily a disciple. And that's worth evaluating in our own hearts, in our own lives. And so he's had the crowds moments before this. And then we turn to this passage here, Mark 3, verse 13. Then he, Jesus, went up to the mountain and summoned those he wanted. That in and of itself is interesting. And they came to him. He also appointed 12. He also named them apostles. And here we go. To be with him and to send them out to preach. And then it goes on in verse 15 to say, and to have authority to drive out demons. Now, in the original language that this was written in, that last sentence, to be with him, sent out to preach, and have authority to drive out demons, there's two purpose clauses in the original language, and the purpose clauses are of the apostles here, of these 12 here, is to be with him and to preach. And then this this have authority to cast out demons is kind of this umbrella thing. When you're with him and then sent out by him, then a byproduct is, a benefit is, part of the equation is, then you have power delegated to you by God over the enemy. The gospel gives you power over the enemy. The Holy Spirit that we have is going to give us power over the enemy. There's spiritual power that's been given to you and to me as his disciples. But be with and be sent out is the core to being a a disciple. These two core elements. They, They got to be with him. Jesus wanted to be with these closest disciples. Jesus wants to be with you. We've talked about this before. I hope you love the forgiveness you received in Christ. I hope you love the cross and the resurrection. I hope you love that you can be wiped clean. I hope that you love you've been given a new heart and a new identity. But I also hope that you recognize that the result of all of that, the beauty of all of that, is that you get to be in relationship with Jesus. You get to have a relationship, a friendship with God Almighty. He wants to be with you. When you think about 2022 ahead, some of you in here, need to begin to evaluate and process what does it look like as a disciple this year for me to be with Jesus more than any other year in my life? What's that look like? Some of you are great with Jesus sorts of people. You you got the prayer life thing down. It's very sweet, very consistent, very intimate. You've got the time in the word down. It's very sweet, very close, very intimate. You, you have that time in creation where you just can't look at the mountains or look at the ocean or be about his creation and forget him because you're just, 
your sense of him with you and you with him is constant. I want that for every single one of us. I want that for me. I want that for you. He wants that for you. He wants to be with you. Sometimes I need like Jesus with skin though, you know? Enter the church. Enter brothers and sisters in Christ. Because some of the times where I have been most impacted by how much God wants to be with me is when someone else wants to be with me. I've shared about my youth pastor, Eddie, before. This is, this is Eddie. And I, I got saved, essentially, for real, in high school. And Eddie wanted to be with me. You know, that made the biggest impact it wasn't his sermons, it wasn't his teaching, it wasn't his programming, it wasn't his events. You know what made the biggest difference in him discipling me, in me becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ, is that Eddie wanted to spend time with me. That was huge. Sometimes the with me, with Eddie, was just running errands. Eddie was a family man. He didn't have a ton of time. Sometimes with me meant calling me up. Hey, Ron, I got a bunch of errands today. You want to go with me? You bet. And the with me time was in the car. The with me time was grocery shopping. The with me time was doing something with his kids. The with me time sometimes turned into, hey, um, while we're stopped at the grocery store here, there's actually a family through the church we've heard of that's in need, so we're going to get some stuff for a meal for them and then drop it off at their house. I got to see the life and the teaching of Jesus lived out in the person of Eddie who wanted to be with me, and now it wasn't theory. It was like, oh, this is what disciples look like. This might be a whole lot what Jesus would look like if he were here. And it was just, it was massively impactful for me. It was, oh, well, we might need to stop along the way. There's someone in the hospital. Let's go make a visit at 15, 16 years old. To be with Eddie meant I was getting to learn about how much Jesus wanted to be with me. Jesus wants to be with you. And as a disciple, that's key for me and you. But then he also wants to send us out. And there was a purpose here for these disciples to be sent out for the work of the ministry, to be sent out for the mission of Jesus Christ. Because that really, that's the, the ultimate mission. I mean, everything else just kind of pales in comparison, right? There's a lot of great stuff vying for our attention. There's a lot of great things to be involved in. Non-sinful things. Good things that are going on in the world. But underlying all of those is an opportunity for the mission of God to, to be furthered. The kingdom of God to advance. And as we're sent out some of the most powerful things that you and I will ever do in 2022 as a disciple of Jesus will not take place in this room. It'll be outside of here. It'll be in your home. It'll be in your neighborhood. It'll be at your work. It'll be in the middle of your hobby. Because a huge part of who disciples are is being sent out on mission. 
Jesus chose sending them out to expand the scope of his ministry through you and me. Man, that's humbling, right? Jesus chose to delegate spiritual authority to me and you. Jesus chose as part of his plan to glorify himself, make the world know of him and his good news, who he is, what he's done through me and you. If we don't get sent out, maybe to help the kids right across the way and disciple them, or get excited about the discipleship opportunities, relational opportunities to impact people for Jesus in these circles of influence that we all have, we're missing out. And it's not that that will thwart God, doesn't stop his plans, it just means we miss out. Let's not be the church that misses out. There's so much in his family and outside his family that he wants to do and minister to. Eddie sent me out. I mean, I'd only been a Christian for a few months. And he came alongside. He said, Ron, I need you to teach junior high Sunday school. I said, what? (laughs) I said, I literally, like, I, I know I'm changed. I know Jesus has rescued me, but I don't know anything about the Bible. He said, that's okay. I'll meet with you on Wednesday. We'll plan the message together. You'll deliver it to them on Sunday. I said, Eddie, that's not a good plan. I said, we were just playing this game at youth group. Remember last week? He said, oh, yeah, Bible baseball. I said, Eddie, I hate Bible baseball. What Bible baseball was, you'd set chairs up in the diamond shape like a baseball diamond. And if you had an easy question, that was a single. If you had a mildly difficult Bible question, you got a double. If you had a hard question, you get a triple. If you had the impossible Bible question and you answered it correctly, there's the home run, the grand slam. I got an easy question because I'm brand new. And it had to do with Abraham. I thought they were talking about Lincoln. This is how little I knew about it. It was humiliating. I knew nothing about it. But he said, part of being a disciple is putting your faith into action. Part of being a disciple is to be sent out, and there's nothing that will accelerate your spiritual growth like having to teach somebody else. That's why starting next week, we're going to randomly call, and you're going to deliver them. No, I'm just kidding. But there are places... There are places where you can start to teach because it's totally different. You can sit here and listen to me drone on, listen to Landon um, deliver expertly, and (laughs) that's something. But if you have to prepare your own lesson that you know you're then going to deliver to somebody else, it's just going to exponentially change the the way that you uh, receive it, that it sinks in, et cetera, et cetera. And part of being sent out is part of God's plan. I said, well, Eddie, what if I don't know the answer to a question that these junior high kids had? He said this. Tell them, I don't know, but I'll go find out and I'll tell you next week. That's always a good answer. We don't have to have all the answers, but we know the one who does. And there's some of you in here, men and women in here, that 
know the Lord a lot longer than I have, know the word better than I do. You could teach me some stuff. You can teach some other people some stuff. Being sent out in this, this year, maybe that's the growth step for you. You've got the with him down, but the sent out part down is where you need to take a step of faith. That's big. What breaks my heart are followers of Jesus who have known him for 30 years, but they've lived the first year of their Christian life 30 times. They never grew on to spiritual maturity. And I think the breakdown is either in too much time with and are not sent out or one or the other. They've just, oh, it's just about the activity, but then they've never been under the master to kind of learn the trade and with him in relationship to have him cultivate and grow what's going on in their heart. It's the both and that are so key. The core discipleship, though, being a disciple, God's got to call your heart to be in relationship with him. What sparks the start of every disciple of Jesus is a call to your heart by God. He might use other people. He might go directly for you. He might use crazy circumstances. He might use creation. I don't know. He can use anything to get your attention. But at the core to the start of being a disciple is a call to your heart. A call to say, would you trust Jesus always, no matter the moment? Can you trust him? I don't know. I don't know him. Yeah, I get that. If you don't know him, it's going to be hard to trust him. So maybe you get to know him. And you'll get to trust him. You come to believe in who he is, what he said. There's some core foundational beliefs that every disciple of Jesus Christ has. You trust and believe. Then you get to rest. Every disciple I know rests in the person and the work of Jesus. They rest in their heart and their soul. There's a deep peace and joy. They're not trying to earn their way to heaven. They're not trying to earn the love and the relationship. They just, oh, I believe and receive and trust, and now I rest. <laughs> There's a good spot for a disciple. And then you imitate what the master does. And he's patient along the way. Thank goodness for that. And as we imitate, we, we learn and we grow and we, we move on. But if you've got that call and he's been wooing you in with his love, he wants to be with you and then he wants to make much of himself through gifts that he's given you. But there's something tougher I need to share because there was tougher things that Jesus shared. Jesus was gracious and saying, hey, come spend time, come listen, come and see but then in Mark chapter 8, I'll share this and we'll wrap it up. In Mark chapter 8, the disciples have spent time now more with Jesus. Crowds have got a bigger picture of who Jesus is and what he's about. And look at what he says, Mark chapter 8, verse 34. Summoning the crowd along with his disciples. You hear the distinguishing difference. There's, he's, he's separating the two. He said to them, both the crowd and the disciples. If anyone wants to be my follower, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me and the gospel 
will save it. For what does it benefit a man to gain the whole world, yet lose his life, yet lose his soul? Jesus, can't we just stick with the be with and be sent out thing? I mean, can't that just be it? No. There's a higher bar than that. And it's, it's not the salvation bar, but it's what Jesus has for me and you is huge. Because there were a whole bunch of people that were in it just for the benefits and just for uh, what they could get out of Jesus. And Jesus is speaking something to people that wanted to be or were considering being his disciple. He's also speaking some words that are foreshadowing what he is going to do. Our master doesn't call us to stuff that he wasn't willing to do himself. And then Jesus went on to do some stuff that we could never do on our own. But if you've got the call, the call to being a disciple really at its core is deny yourself and take up the cross. Deny yourself. You really want to be a follower, then deny yourself as opposed to lean into yourself, live for yourself. It's saying no to selfish ambitions, selfish living. It's saying no my life, the grand story of scripture is not about me. If you're ready, if you've got to the end of yourself, it's actually the raddest place you could ever be. If you're like, I'm ready to lose it all because it wasn't that great while I had it. It took me 40 years to figure that out, but it's been a nightmare. Well, then God bless you. You're ready to be a disciple. And then take up your cross. It's worth chatting just for a second about that. When Jesus calls us to take up our cross in 2022 now, in our culture, Christian culture, what we've decided take up our cross means is like bear a little burden. Oh, yeah, man, I'm taking up my cross today because I got that coworker that's sitting next to me that's so annoying. I'm bearing my cross, though. Oh, the cross I'm bearing is I don't make six figures a year. And, and my goodness, I can hardly bear that cross, but I'm doing it for Jesus. I'm making 94 grand and not 104. <laughs> I, I got to take up my cross because, you know, I, I struggle from time to time with this, that, or the other thing. Okay, those are all real. I, I understand we have struggles. But when Jesus used the word take up your cross, he wasn't talking about struggling a little bit or bearing a little burden. When he said take up your cross, the only thing people had any frame of reference for with the cross at that moment in history was that it was an instrument of death and execution. And so when he said, deny yourself and take up your cross, he's saying, you want to come after me, you want to be a disciple, you want to be one of my followers. Would you be willing to die for me? If you're ready, you're ready to be a disciple. That's big. It should be kind of sobering. It should be kind of like, I don't really know. It's this weird thing when it comes to being a disciple of Jesus that just says, okay, the paradigm shift is this. I'm going to win 
by losing. I'm going to live by dying. It's the opposite of what the world's going to teach. You win by winning, and you live by living it up. But being a disciple says something entirely different. Because the way of the cross, the way of Jesus, is not the way of the enemy. And the enemy said, I just saw this thing, I'm so sorry, I just saw this thing on Twitter yesterday that said, from the National Temple of Satan, they tweeted, just want everybody to know, Satan loves you and accepts you just as you are, no matter what, all the time unlike you-know-who. And there's a world that's swallowing that message hook, line, and sinker. Because accept you just as you are, whatever you're doing, that's in. The problem is, is the road is out around the corner. There's a big cliff you're going to fall off. The joy that you're looking for in this, that, or the other thing are not there. And the least loving thing to do would be to say, keep on heading that direction. There's no consequences in this life. It's not going to hurt you. You're going to find what your soul desires. And there's certainly no eternity or eternal consequences. So do whatever. Sometimes love takes a pretty active, difficult, challenging sort of form that says, hey, I really do love you, and that's why I'm saying, don't keep heading that direction. It's hurtful. And yet, our God does love and accept you anyway, but he loves us too much to leave us that way. He loves you too much to leave you that way. He doesn't want you to be just a Christian. He wants you to be his disciple. He wants you to be with him and actively a part of his mission in the world. Every single one of you in here are at a different spiritual stage of journey. You think about infants and adults and then senior adults as human beings. It's like this kind of generational picture I mean, every single one of you in here, with regard to Jesus, your spiritual journey, you're at a different stage. Some of you could be 65 years old, but you're a newborn. You're a toddler in Christ. Some of you might be young, but you've been walking with him already and matured pretty quickly. And spiritually, you're further along, but you're young in years. When you understand where you're at in your spiritual journey, a couple of things happen. One, when you understand where you're at in your spiritual journey, it determines your next steps as a disciple. Because if you're just a baby Christian, okay, well then, I'm not going to send you today to go be a missionary in Cambodia if you got saved last week. This is a good next step stage where you need some investment in, some training up. You need all the people around you. Others of you, um, if, if you're ready to go and you're spiritually mature, well, okay, now let's go and get going if you're not already. And when it comes to being a disciple, we are called in God's word by Jesus himself to make other disciples. 
To be a disciple is to make disciples. And if we're making disciples, then I think we got to all have room in us to have someone mentoring us and then us mentoring someone below all the time. So you got more room for that? Some of you right now, your primary discipleship should be your kids. I get that. But we've all got room to be discipled and then for sure to disciple someone else. What if we made a question this year, valid, fair game to ask and grow in through 2022? Here's the question. Who are you discipling? My hope and prayer is that every single person in this church, every individual, would be discipled and be discipling someone else for his glory. And if a 2022 affords us some growth and movement in that regard, man, amen. I get excited about that. I need some people discipling me. And there's a whole bunch of people who need to be discipled just right here in our own family and beyond these walls. Let's go after it. So gracious Heavenly Father, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for being patient with us. Thank you for loving us. Help us, God, find the one, the two, the five, the 12 that we can be discipling. You know our needs in here, the ones that need to be discipled, and we ask for that provision too. But rather than being focused on ourselves right now, Lord, help us step out in faith. Help us connect us with the people, the kids, people in our church, people in our workplaces, our community, whoever that needs a tangible touch of what you're like. Help us, Father. Help us this year be with you in the fullest sense of the term. Help us, Father, guide us, give us discernment and wisdom about when and how and where to be sent out by you. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you that you go with us every single step of the way. We give you the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The beautiful thing, many, there are many beautiful things, but one of the most beautiful things about following Jesus is that he never stops leading and loving. And uh, we're going to continue to worship now by embracing and partaking uh, of communion together. And as you uh, come forward, there's uh, the elements for communion on either side of me and within them, the cup symbolizing and representing Jesus' blood and the bread symbolizing his body. And as we take communion, we remember not only that he loved us enough to give up his life and his body for us, but that he is victorious and he conquers and that he walks with us. As we are followers of Christ, as we are disciples learning and imitating and growing, he walks with us, leading us every step of the way uh, into this year. And so we invite you as the Restoration Church family to come forward uh, during the next couple of moments to partake, to take the elements, to remember not only what Jesus has done, but what he continues to do. We'll continue to worship by taking communion and then uh, together in song after that.
Thanks so much for listening. Once again, we are Restoration Church in beautiful Prescott, Arizona. And again, my name is Nate Huss. I'm one of the team members here. So glad that you were able to join us. And uh, if this is your first time listening or you've been listening for a little while and um, are still doing the online thing, I just want to encourage you, go get plugged in. Um, Restoration may not be the church for you and that's okay, but I want to encourage you, go get plugged in with the local body. Is there a church in your area that you could trust and join and, and be a part of the body of Christ? There's something that is really valuable and important about journeying together with other people who are on the journey of practicing the way of Jesus. And so um, whatever that looks like, if restoration is a, a place that you could call home and you're in Prescott, Arizona, or in one of the quad cities in the area, we would love for you to join us. If not, I just really want to encourage you, um, go get plugged into a local body. It's really, really valuable. Um, and I truly believe it is important for us on our journey of faith. And so um, again, if you'd like to learn more about us, you can go to restorationaz.org. And as always, remember, Jesus is the only one who is trustworthy always, no matter the moment. So press on as we continue to practice the way of Jesus.